All right, cool. So you're listening to Blood Moon Milk. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm here with Heather Hogan. And Heather is a very talented yoga teacher and tarot card reader. Um, and she joined us last night for the Solstice Workshop in Brooklyn at Minka. So and we were just talking about insights from the class, but you were saying how excited you were about um, learning about Jupiter Returns. Yeah, because I actually, I don't know really much about it. Um, like, I wish I had a deeper understanding of astrology. And um, like I was telling some of the ladies in the workshop last night, I was like, I feel like my brain's kind of Teflon for it which is tough because it is a really important aspect of tarot. Um, but I also do a lot of uh, intuitive reading. But mm-hmm. to find out about Jupiter Return, like I was looking up some stuff and I was like, okay, so it's a 12-year cycle. Yep. What was happening when I was 24? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm excited to find out more about that. Yeah, so um, basically like every planet – if you live long enough, we'll return to the point where it was when you were born. Um, different planets have different lengths of time that they take to travel around the solar system. But basically, all it means is that Jupiter will return to the same degree and the same sign that it was at the moment you were born. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, um, Jupiter's like keyword is like, all about expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the god of like good luck and like bounty and joy. And it has this like really bubbly sort of personality. Um, but expansion isn't always a good thing. Um, so, uh, expansion, if it's like touching on your Mars could possibly be an expansion of anger. Mm. It just depends on like kind of what else is going on in your chart, but the key is like expansion. So if you're wanting to work with it, I would just study where your transits are going to be hitting at that year and, um, watch out for any, kind of nebulous or angry aspects from Uranus or Mars because or even Saturn mm-hmm. um, because Saturn is all about uh, it's not a bad thing but it can be a tough one too um, people talk about their Saturn returns a mm-hmm. lot you hear more people talk about Saturn returns because they're they're usually pretty brutal uh-huh. um, versus the Jupiter return which is like every 12 years um, it's a little bit more of a joyful like happy thing and you know like Look at the news cycle when good things happen. It doesn't make the front page. Yeah. You know, same thing in our lives, right? Like it's only kind of the bad stuff that traumatizes us that we're like coping with for years, <laughs> years yeah. to come. So, um, but yeah, that's all that means is like that planet is returning to the point where it was the moment you were born. Um, and you can kind of use that as a little bit of a clue to look for opportunities to expand things in a strategic way versus just like bumbling around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So like being able to, uh, like fully take advantage of the opportunity to have this like pleasant and lucky energy. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. A little bit more disciplined than I was hoping. Well, yeah. I mean, but Jupiter likes a good party, um, <laughs> for sure. And you know, Saturn does too. I mean, Saturnalia is all about, um, pleasing and thanking the God of Saturn in Roman times, which is what Christmas came from. Mm. So, um, it was a pagan holiday first. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so why we burn stuff and bring trees inside. Yeah. I always kind of feel bad for the trees. I'm like, you would have had a happier, longer life in the wild. I know. This is something I was thinking about that the other day about um, sort of spiritual practice and magical practice and how more and more we're involving elements. We're involving crystals and everyone burns sage or sal- uh, Palo Santo now. And, yeah. Palo um, Santo particularly is pretty problematic. Yeah. I, I mean, it's crazy, like overforested and overharvested, but white sage too. Yeah. White sage is really bad, especially if you're doing wild crafted stuff. I mean, the people, and uh, the people who say they're doing that, um, really what that means is a lot of times they just get off at the highway and take a duffel bag and just go rip plants out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And they're like basically denuding wild patches of ancient growth yeah. for people to buy. Um, and so grow your own sage. Yeah. It's not that hard. I, my, actually my dad's wife, she's pretty witchy and she, we were talking about it the other day and she was like, I just bought some sage seeds. And so she's planting and it takes, it takes two years for them to come to like fruition enough. The other thing that I've been working on is like, you know, people buy sage bundles and when I get them, I take them apart and I burn just a few leaves at a time as opposed to like the whole thing. Yeah. And then it's not super acrid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about Christmas trees in that same sense of like sustainability. Like I haven't had a tree for 
more than a decade. Yeah. It's been 12 or 13 years probably. I'll just like decorate my house plants. Yeah. <laughs> I bet they love it. Oh yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll dress up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I live in Atlanta and it's pretty sunny and hot there for mm-hmm. most of the year unless it's rainy and cold, but uh, the rainy cold part doesn't last nearly as long as that. Like February. Uh, it's like, like last year was kind of weird. It didn't seem to get really cold until late December, which mm. is late in the season for us. Usually, yeah. usually it gets cold the first week of November. Yeah. Like, and then you're like bundled up until like March or so. Um, but February, um, it was just, it was, it got really warm randomly in February and stuff started blooming and then it got cold again and everything kind of died. Um, so like earth cries. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, the, so in, uh, February I, cause I, that's like the coldest, shittiest part of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, I go to Nicaragua for a few weeks, like because it's sunny and hot and I have friends who live down there and I have a friend who like owns a, a hotel that does yoga and teaches meditation to the local kids and Amazing. she does Reiki and she's this, I've had her on the podcast before and she's like, listen to that episode. She's pretty great, but Palo Santo is everywhere down there, but it's, um, it's like problematic there too, because basically like it's not supposed to be bought. Like it's supposed to be given to you by, a shaman who has like communicated with the tree mm. beforehand and like has the tree spirit has blessed its body to be like taken away and, mm. and used as spiritual tools, but it's only supposed to be given to you. You're not supposed to buy it. So when I see it in stores, I'm like, no. Yeah. And it's $85 a stick or whatever, because it's at like, you know, urban outfitters. So they're just like, here you go. Yeah, it's sad. So it's really wild. Like, I think that that's an interesting thing to see all of these mediums, astrology, tarot, energy healing work, you know, like Reiki or Olympia or whatever, all these things. Like, it's amazing that this is all being brought up in the collective conscious. Like, last night you were talking about the nodes Mm -hmm. and And the the, nodal axis with Cancer and Capricorn. Yeah. And so I think you said the North Node challenge for us karmically is trying to embrace the feminine side Mm -hmm. which and nurturing things like the planet Mm -hmm. yeah and and like the last i mean easily four years we've seen conversations of toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. uh, um i mean we've just seen this excess of the sort of the shadow side of too much like when the masculine energy is out of balance so yeah amazing that we're seeing like so many people being called to healing arts and all of these um, intuitive practices. Mm-hmm. But it also drives me a little crazy because there's so much like capitalism and marketing and stuff behind it that, yeah, uh, I think, which I, whatever, I think there's a space where that, that stuff overlaps and can be healthy and wonderful. Yeah. But there's also something that the consumerism behind it is scary. Yeah. I mean, you can't buy true spirituality. And, um, I was talking to a a rabbinical monk, uh, at a party a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he, he's like quite a character. Um, but he was telling me that, uh, like, in his studies, he was at a monastery for like 10 years doing, I think it was like silent meditation and mm-hmm. study of uh, the Torah and uh, the Talmud and all this like very uh, Jewish centric mythical stuff. So Kabbalah, mm-hmm. like yeah. all that. Um, and one of his mentors, uh, who is a rabbi, who that's, you know, basically all I do is study like spiritual philosophy from a Jewish perspective, which is, you know, yeah, just a dream life. No big deal. Uh, yeah. You know, like I'm not, uh, I'm not Jewish, but I, I really respect anybody of any faith who spends time looking inward. Um, mm-hmm. and his, uh, his mentor said something along the lines of, uh, like to beware of the guru who's trying to sell themselves because they're, what they're selling isn't true. Uh, isn't the path to enlightenment is the path to, uh, material wealth. Mm-hmm. And that is the opposite. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, when I look at my, what, like the work that I do is very much tailored towards an individual and I don't necessarily have time to market myself as well or as slickly as some of the other astrologers out there, but, and that's fine. I'm like coming to peace with that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to like always have the perfect Instagram post 
Um, because but you it's, do, you always have really great. Ones, <laughs> so that's awesome. I do, I do enjoy them. Oh, thank yeah. you. I mean, I do like, well, I am an artist. Like I'm a traditionally trained animator. So I want to like express that skill, but like the, there's a whole other side to astrology and spirituality that is, it's like indefinable. And mm. like the more I try to market myself, the less interested I am in doing the work because I, I get stuck in that yeah. mode of thinking. And I'm like, man, I just want to get to the point where people come to me and I don't have to like market myself because there's somebody else who will be doing a better job at that for me. And I can just focus on the, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. I totally feel you on that because I think that for people like you and I that do something like to be an entrepreneur is a completely fucking crazy thing to choose to do. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a Virgo. I like and oh, yeah. cancer rising. I like to have home and stability. I like to have this stuff like in order. And so to choose to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to go ahead and take a leap off this cliff and see what I can do. It's especially scary for Virgos, by the way. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm not real sure who's behind the wheel right now. There's definitely part of me that's like, what are we doing? Um, but that's also good though. Cause like that Virgo energy is going to help you to keep your ducks in a row where some lesser, if it was more a cancer in control, you might be a little bit more like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, there, there are days where it feels real uh, formless and soupy, mm-hmm. but um, but I think for for people like you and I that do this kind of work, um, it's difficult because a lot of the business coaching that you get, everyone's like, get on Instagram, market everything all the time, and there is something that feels antithetical to yep. the work that we do. Yeah, and um, and there is that thing, right? Like you hope that the universe is going to support you in the sense that your bills will be paid. You'll have food on the table that's ideally maybe better than ramen. And well, I mean, than shitty ramen. <laughs> good ramen <laughs> yeah, is great. Good, good ramen is pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In, in New York, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you, there is that like step into faith of being like, uh, the pushing doesn't work. Yeah. And work like this. Yeah. And there is something that when you are in that pushing space, that it's like the wheels of your chariot are going through. Um, like molasses, yeah, you know that yeah. that immovable energy because mm-hmm. um, it grates against it. And there is something, at least to me, about like being in service to the people that I want to help, which is everyone who needs it. Well, this kind of goes into um, law of attraction uh, a little bit. It's like when you want something too much, that's actually a negative experience mm-hmm. versus being and like negative experience means that you're expressing lack of something and uh, what you're focusing on is the thing that you are attracting. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you let it go and like just kind of accept whatever the situation is, that's when it starts to come to you Mm -hmm. because, but it's really hard. Like it's way easier said than done. Yeah. Um, But then, yeah, it's when you actually experience it in your life, you're like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I work, I work with a lot of my clients on that, whether it's tarot clients, um, really in depth with my coaching clients is the importance of, do you want to do a tarot card reading a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, not to like derail your No, that's great. I did one before you came and I pulled it out and I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I work with my, my coaching clients a lot in depth on the importance of language. So, you know, so my schooling background is in psychology and neuroscience. And um, a lot of the neuroscience that I studied is perception. So how do we take pieces of the outside world, remove it through the mechanism of the brain Mm -hmm. in order to create an experience that is experienced by whom? Yeah. Yeah. And the whom, whoever is the watcher, the observer, whoever is pulling the levers, they're very subject to the language that's happening internally. Mm-hmm. And if our outer world is a reflection of our internal experience, you yeah. have to say like, what language am I using inside that's creating this place of lack, this place of, I don't have enough, this scarcity condition. Um, and it's so fun to sit like, well, I mean like lowercase fun for my clients. <laughs> lowercase F. Yeah. But for me, it's super fun to sit with people to deconstruct the language that we use in our silent mantras all the time mm-hmm. um, in order to figure out where we're limiting ourselves. Yeah. Because it is that law of attraction thing when we say, I can't, I don't, I should, I shouldn't. 
whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just box ourselves in and then we wonder why we feel like we're shit in a coffin. <laughs> yeah. like I'm dying every minute of every day. Yeah. Um, and it, it's like, I, I mean, it is a daily practice and I don't want to say struggle cause that's not the right word, but you know what I mean? It's like, you have to be really conscientious of the way you direct your thoughts. And it is, Im- unless you are a monk, <laughs> like a rabbinical mm-hmm. monk somewhere who's like living this life of, uh, rectitude and sort of just spending their time reading and researching stuff to try and understand the mysteries of the universe. But you're like, you're not, going to a job like you're not sitting in traffic and it's way easier to focus your mind and calm things when you don't have to juggle 50 plates at once you know of all these expectations that for one reason or another society is placed on you or you asked for society place on you but um it's it's like it's if you're a normal person every day is a challenge to embrace that like that thought pattern that should be in a positive way. And the word should is even yeah. like a negative, well, you know, but I tease my clients who refer to it as shitting all over yourself. Because uh, it just good. never yeah. makes anyone feel good. That's a yeah. Word. I had a therapist when I was younger who was like, don't ever use the word should because it implies guilt. Mm-hmm. And I was, so every time I say that word, I'm like, no, but sometimes it just still slips out there. Um, but language is really, um, it is how our thoughts are formed and perceived. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to see um, like correlations between different cultures and different words and different languages and the way that they move around the world and are perceived in the world versus cultures that have developed independently from each other and have like almost no words in common. Mm -hmm. And like their whole style of life is just different. Yeah. And like alien to the outside person, perceiver who doesn't speak that language and cannot comprehend those things in that way because their brains just simply aren't wired to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, it's the, the tabula rasa, right? Like you, you come into the world essentially in the meat of your mind um, or of your brain not being programmed in a particular way beyond biological expectation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. There's this really great story of the Dalai Lama and I forget who he was talking to, but he was talking to like you know, a bunch of avid meditators and meditator teachers, spiritual teachers, and um, they open it up for a and a He's got his translator and someone in the audience says, well, what do you recommend for us to help people who are moving through self-hatred? Mm-hmm. Like, because that's such a big block for so many people not knowing how to love yourself and, um, you know, all of the collateral damage that comes from that seedling of yeah. thinking. And uh, the Dalai Lama, who's obviously like well-spoken, super intelligent. And- he's hilarious oh, too. God, he's so good. He's like, you're like, that, if that's what enlightenment looks like, he's, sign me up. I watched him do a Kali Chakra initiation. Um, and, you know, it's like this big, very long, it's like a two day long ritual. It's amazing. Hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people like mm-hmm. go to this thing. And at the end of it, you'd expect him to be like some ceremonial like gong or something. And yeah. he, at the end of it, he's like, all right, we did it. That's it. High five, everybody. Yeah. And I was like, because I always struggle with how to end a meditation sometimes to like ease people out of that meditative state. Oh, sure. I, I can help you with that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I know how I'm good at meditating on my own, but like I'm still. Part of the podcast is like, I want to encourage people to meditate and I want to give people prompts to do that, that align with the energies of the moon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that stuff is so valuable. I thought like this, con- like the conversation that this guy, that the, this guy, mm-hmm. that the Dalai Lama, <laughs> that's that you. Was having, was yeah. with this whole group of people was like, he actually didn't understand the concept of self-hatred and he turned to his interpreter and was like, what's what is what that? And, and he was like, no, I, and he turned to them and he was like, uh, that's, that's not a thing. And everyone in the audience was like, no, it's, it's really a thing, but it's because like in Tibet, there is no line of thinking that is like, I'm the worst. And it's weird because I think for Westerners, um, and particularly Americans, we're constantly having to move from like, we're below zero in some ways. And, um, I feel like the media has a lot to answer for and religion, like Western, yeah. like Western religion, Christianity. <laughs> um, you know, it has a lot to sort of, especially Catholicism, man, like just telling people that they're born of sin, yeah. which is 
a lie. <laughs> you know, I, I'm very much of the opinion that our parents invite us to be here. And that invitation until that baby is born can be rescinded at any point in time. Yeah. But like, that's my point of view on things. But um, like there's telling people that when they're born, that they're automatically bad. You're, you're, it's like, look at, there's, I feel like there's a weird like spiritual correlation between that and a financial correlation between starting young people often like in debt. Oh, absolutely. And like having absolutely. to like constantly dig their ways out. And then you're basically creating an invisible prison for people. Mm-hmm. Um, which gives communism a real, like, you know, like a real glean <laughs> to it. Yeah, where you're like, hmm. <laughs> but, you know, like, there's not an easy answer for any of the, like, world's problems. But but it's so weird because I think when you get some altitude on world problems, right, like, um, I'm going to catch a lot of shit for this, but, like, so I, I lived in D.C. for a hundred years and, um, and everyone is political and it happens just by accident. I was a hairstylist for a long time and it was like, you could go to your bar and, you know, sit with your bartender and be talking and be super, super well-informed. And mm-hmm. for a long time, it was really important to me. And I think for a lot of people, especially in this last administration that we've just lost the ability to be tuned into it. And part of, I mean, I feel really, there's a lot of guilt and shame around having tuned out a lot. Um, but also this, the importance of being able to step out of the fray of like man's rules in this world mm-hmm. versus universal laws versus the effects of the, you know, the, yeah. the cosmos on who we are. Um, and not to like go so woo woo that you're like, fuck it. I don't have to do anything ever, but to that's understand not it either. Yeah, totally. But yeah. to, you know, like when we talk about balance, you know, finding that space in between, the middle path where you can be aware of what's going on and have a greater awareness of all that stuff. And I think when you can use the greater awareness to zoom out, you start seeing the effects of not being like individuals, not being self-aware and the way that that cascades into an entire, entire country that doesn't know what they're doing. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. I will say it's like speaking of law of attraction and I, don't like this man at all, but he is an excellent example of the law of attraction in use mm-hmm. is this stupid president. He's always like, I'm the greatest. And he's not. But <laughs> you do have to kind of admire that. Scene, yeah. Like, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. But like, and then he gets with all this shit. Nobody, nobody is there to like check his ass, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I'm like, motherfucker, it, the universe kind of doesn't care. Like, well, it does. Like, there's karma, too. Like, there's a lot of karma that comes from it. That bushwhack that's going to happen for him at some point in his evolution is going to happen so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like like we're talking about the, the, like, how do we embrace the feminine energy Mm -hmm. of the the north nodal transit situation that's happening here, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that he became this siren call for it because... Oh, yeah. I just got chills. I'm like... Yeah, yeah. Because it was like, we were like, oh, we probably need to balance some stuff. We probably need some, to balance some stuff. And we had someone that a majority of people, whether you liked him or didn't, mm-hmm. having Barack Obama at the helm gave us time to just like sit back on our laurels and, and relax. And you could be pissed off about stuff or you could just not care. And it yeah. was kind of fine because you knew the scales weren't going to tip heavily one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. And then this happened and it was like, okay, so mm-hmm. all of you who are in the last eight years talking about just all this self-love and self-care and take care of each other and, you know, balanced equality and bringing as many people into recognition as possible, which I think is amazing. It was sort of like this election called our bluff because it is so easy to engage with healing energies when there is nothing to be combating or what you're fighting is um, a lot more subtle and simple. Yeah. And this is like a warrior time, man, where they're like, if you're if you're a healer, an informer, a lover of any kind, you you're being called to like put on your combat boots and like yeah. get in the game. And it makes you not really give a shit about marketing yourself because you're like, oh, I'm just in here like trying to help people manage, yeah, like triage their situations. Yeah, and for me, like I have I don't have a lot of like private clients, but I'm really 
good at reading the energies that are coming our way mm-hmm. to kind of give the like the siren call is like this is what's happening yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. and so like I think that can be really helpful for people who are in tune to it it might not be for everybody and that's a good thing um and so like for me when I started this project last year, I had these like, you know, grand visions as you do. I think when you start any project, you have Mm -hmm. to have like the dream of what could be. And now I'm, I'm in it. I'm almost halfway through season two and I'm like, so what's, what is next? Like, do I want to keep doing this? Am I going to change things? Mm -hmm. Um, because it's always going to, I'm always going to have like the universe is constantly changing around me. So to keep things the same is like not doing myself any favors. I'm always trying to find like ways to grow and like, what is the definition of success for me mm-hmm. um, as an astrologer, as an artist, as a creative. Um, and I'm still kind of figuring that out. So, yeah. but astrology is helping for sure. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things too, right? Like um, whether it be in tarot or meditation or astrology or I mean anything, if you are a living being in this place, in this time, I think success usually comes when you can hold on to that student mindset of being like, there is no mastery, you know? And and the more that you know, the more aware you become of what you don't know. And that is deeply humbling, I think. And when you go through these cycles, there is that ego humbling of just being like, okay, and being able to say, like, I've worked my ass off on this thing and being totally okay, like practicing deep non-attachment and being totally okay if tomorrow you're like, fuck it, I'm not doing this thing anymore. And there is no guilt and there is no shame because it's had its life cycle Mm -hmm. and it could go on for 15 years. And you could be like, remember that time I thought I was never going to do this? And it ended up being a path of liberation for you. Um, It's, it's such a beautiful thing. I feel like it is a crazy process to sit back and watch the way that your mind like fish hooks onto these things being mm. like, I'm going to do this thing. And it's really important because the drive is there and then being okay. When once you've molded it, the shape is different than what it looked like in your mind. Yeah. I think, um, there, well, from an art student school perspective, um, the difference between art and craft mm. is that craft, you know what your end product is before you set out to do it. Mm-hmm. So say, you know, you want to make a birdhouse. You're like, here's the plans, make it. Make sure that your cuts are really clean. Art is exploring a process and a thought and not necessarily knowing what the end product is going to be mm. or not knowing what it's going to look like. And, um, and then, you know, as an astrologer, there are rules, (laughs) like there are rules that you follow. And there's this whole like really beautiful system. That's, Oh, it's like in perfect balance. When you think about the signs and the elements and the way everything moves around it um, and the geometry that comes out of it, it's just like this thing of beauty Mm -hmm. that you, I don't know that I've seen like a more perfect system. Yeah. And it hasn't been designed. I mean, it's nature, right? It's like just what's naturally happening. And I see the reflection of the cosmos in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the art comes in. Yeah. You know, I don't always know what the result of that is going to be, but I know the rules to follow. I know the color theory or the, the way the transits affect each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I find a lot of, comfort but also excitement when I'm like piecing together these things but I also have to know that I don't always know what the end product is going to be and even though it's a podcast right now who the hell knows yeah (laughs) I don't think that wonder is ever really going to go away for me but maybe my attention will just shift to something else but I think there is, there's that beauty in allowing yourself that freedom of evolution. Right? And I think that's why so many people end up really unhappy in their lives is that the shoulds play a huge role, right? Yeah. I've claimed publicly I'm an astrologer. I've started a podcast, which means I should, A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, fuck this whole thing. Or, and I mean, you know, this is how people end up in like terrible midlife crises is because they've lived their lives within the confines of what this should look like if I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to be whatever. Yeah. And it's a scary thing, I think, to stand yeah. up publicly and claim yourself as something. 
like I was terrified for a long time to to be like, oh, I'm a tarot reader. Like I've been reading tarot for yeah ever. Yeah, and um, I mean, I think like I got my first deck when I was probably ten or eleven, and then that was like you know you just like lay stuff out. You have no idea what you're doing. They were covered in dust for years, and then I started really doing it in earnest um, probably in the last nine years, and but it was always just for myself or mm-hmm. for friends mm-hmm. and family. And then one day I just started, like, I just felt compelled to tell people that I do it. Yeah. And it's never been a scarier thing than to be like, you know, you come out of the broom closet and people are like, so what do you do? I have this very similar story with my astrology work. I mean, I was in love with Greek mythology as a kid and philosophy. Like it, I had the stars projected in my bedroom ceiling as a kid mm-hmm. and would listen, had this like book on tape that was like the myths of all the constellations, like mm-hmm. Ursa Major. And, and while like some, a lot of the constellations aren't actually part of the Western, uh, tropical zodiac, it's still like those stories like were so interesting. Um, and then I got older and when I was in college, because I didn't have enough to do, <laughs> I, I like, you know, I was in animation school by day and then at night I would go home and be like, okay, well, when am I going to meet somebody cool and like, or get a job? And so I'd listen to astrology stuff or read books and like study, but I just did it privately for about 10 years before Mm -hmm. I started the podcast. And then when I put the podcast together, it it was just sort of like, I wasn't setting out to be an astrologer. Actually, I was Mm -hmm. setting out to like, help people understand the cycles of the moon and how they could use that as a meditation tool for mm-hmm. mindfulness and manifestation. And then I became an astrologer because I was looking at one planet. Why not look at the other ones? Yeah. You know? And so, and I think other people thought I was an astrologer before I was comfortable saying I was an astrologer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I don't do that. And then I was like, well, why don't I do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feel like the internal drive, the internal interest, and so you keep kind of going down river with it. Where you're like, "Well, this brings me joy. Like mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. study, but it's better than the other study that I have to do. This is study I get to do and want to do." Yeah, Which yeah. Is, again, like that power of language, how mm-hmm. it's like it's very open, mm-hmm. but it is remarkable how um, how sometimes people see a truth about you before you do, which is really fucked up. It's really annoying sometimes. <laughs> I think it's kind of the curse and the blessing, especially mm-hmm. if you're a perceptive person, because like it's way easier to be perceptive and observation of others, mm-hmm. but self-perception is like you're in it. Yeah, you're in for the treats, man. <laughs> yeah, you're in this little meat suit walking around, and you're not like you don't know what other people think of you when they see you. Like you might think you know what they think but you don't mm-hmm. um well, that's when it becomes that like hall of mirrors <laughs> where you're just like what's even going on yeah um but like just walking over here I feel like people were like looking at me and I'm like do I look weird or something <laughs> <laughs> like uh I mean I'm not trying to be paranoid but I swear like people are like mm-hmm. and maybe it's because I Maybe I just have like a weird energy because I'm not from the neighborhood or something, but but you might also have that like solstice shine, like coming off doing a workshop and you know just being in a place that's not yours. Like there's there's a different kind of um, openness. Or, mm. I mean, it's all the weird micro things we know. That's about true. Each other. I'm definitely like you know I'm not in my hometown, so I'm not walking around kind of grumbling. I, I grumble so much in my neighborhood because it's just gotten really gentrified over the last few years. <laughs> and I'm just like, people are all awful. And like, yeah. I, like, and it's definitely not the best mental attitude to be walking around with all the time. But I think, you know, today I'm like, I'm on vacation technically in New York today. And this is yeah, fun I'm for me. Vibe, totally different. <laughs> yeah. it's to- So maybe that's what people are picking up. Maybe on they're all jealous of your vacation. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I have a, a really lovely friend. She's now out in California, but we actually, we have the same birthday almost to the hour, but two years apart. Wow. And it's remarkable to see how much our lives cycle similarly. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's also a hairstylist and she's also very spiritual. And neither of us were quite in that space when we met each other Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Um, But she used to say that she would like go on vacation and she'd be gone for a week and go to like Dominican Republic or, you know, Bermuda or whatever. And she'd come home and she'd be like, 
I feel like everyone can sense it on me. And the second I get on the train, they're all trying to steal it from me, like a vacation <laughs> chill. Like, people are extra mean or like bumping into her more. And she's like, it's like they're jealous. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then I came back from a trip one time and I totally noticed that where I was like, oh, you know, it's like they, they feed on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is such a thing as energy vampires out there. And I realized that I was in a relationship with one mm-hmm. for a while and I, I was like, yeah, I, I cared about this person, but like, I also cannot be in a relationship with that because I don't have any energy left over for me mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the day. And I, I looked at the course of our relationship and I was like, I was, I'm only just now getting into a, like a happy mindset mm-hmm. years later after that has like kind of over and, um, and I feel like this individual, like still, I know they still want me in their life and I'm like, you can't steal my energy. Yeah. No, yeah. like not letting that happen again. Yeah. Um, but like, and they don't even know they're doing it. And like most people don't, Yeah, most people don't, aren't perceptive of the vibes they're putting out there, but it's like, I, I imagine energy being like like water in a pond and then like every person is out there like splashing around you know but if you're like splashing around and you're like making these waves and you're like you're rocking the pond you know and like you're getting other people wet when maybe they don't want to be when there's somebody like kind of floating calmly in the corner and then someone like does a cannonball next to you yeah you're like what the fuck and and they're like i didn't mean to disturb you and you're like that does not fix my hair yeah (laughs) yeah it's so I was thinking when we were talking about the the Jupiter return mm-hmm. cycle, and now that you're talking about relationships, um, I oh, this is so I'm doing some men- like mental math real quick. Oh yeah, because I'm thinking like how like relationship wise, twelve year cycles, what has changed? And I recognize that when I was 24 was the year that I got divorced, and um, started dating someone who was. Like a couple, a little while before that, somebody who uh, was 12 years older than me. And when they hit 36, mm-hmm. were like, peace out, I gotta go. And yeah. then I ended up in a relationship a couple of years later with someone who, as soon as they turned 36, were like, and I'm talking like lived together, committed relationships and just on a dime. Yeah. And so now I'm really curious to see like Jupiter effects on, I mean, cause like the thing, cause you were saying that it's part of, like your, those returns are a time of like life purposes, like Mm -hmm. becoming very acutely aware of who you are. Oh yeah. And I'm really excited. I'm not fucking dating anybody and I'm going to be 36 this year. So great, great. Now, well, maybe you don't have anybody to like end a relationship with. You might meet somebody new who like starts a whole new chapter of your life. Yeah. You know, hopefully it lasts longer than 12 years if that's what you want. But yeah. like, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, I'm open, I'm open for stuff, but yeah, I just, that's so weird. Cause that highlighted, you know, you wonder how, how celestial bodies are affecting things or inform things. Um, or like you said last night that it's not set in stone, but it's something that you can easily fall into because yeah. if you're not being conscious about mm-hmm. it, then you're more easily influenced. Yes. Yeah. So. The planets never force you to do anything. I mean, they, you have free will at all times. Um, but you do have, uh, you know, you are susceptible to their energies and the less aware you are, the more possible it is that you can be, um, sort of pushed <laughs> rather mm-hmm. than, um, making a decision, of your own free conscious will. Yeah. Like you, it's like, um, again, I'll return to the pond metaphor. You know, it's like, nobody is going to tell you have to swim to the other side of the pond, but if everything is flashing around you and you want a calmer place to float, you might just swim to the other part of the pond. Mm -hmm. Now think of those things that are making those waves happen as planets Mm-hmm. And it starts to make more sense, right? Yeah. You like you can sit there in that situation and get splashed, or you can make a conscious decision to 
move and, yeah. and move forward in a, in a way that you think will be better for you. And this is that switch of the mindset too, right? Like of why is this happening to me to why oh. is this happening for me? Mm-hmm. Like in mm-hmm. what way is this informing me, directing me, highlighting something? Yeah. Or what can I learn from this mm-hmm. versus, oh, why is everything so terrible? Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've spent a lot of the last few years thinking about that kind of stuff specifically in relation to those relationships. Now I'm stuck on it because of the whole, like the, the 12, 24, 36 cycles. But, mm-hmm. um, but thinking about it in the last solidly in the last year, strictly from a karmic standpoint, like who was I in those relationships? How did I show up? How did I fail to show up? Like oh, yeah. the importance of accountability. What was um, your South node in and your North node? My north node was, I think, in Gemini, and my south node, nope. If hang on, if, if it was south it. node in Sagittarius, yeah, I think there is a Sagittarius thing. So that would be north. Jupiter's definitely in Sagittarius. Yeah. Well, so Jupiter's in Sagittarius right now. Um. So he'll like hit your um. He'll he's retrograde. So if he's later in Sagittarius, he'll hit direct later this year for you here you go yeah awesome new magical chart yeah so you're actually your north node is in is in gemini and your south node is in sagittarius um so north node in gemini suggests that um it's challenging for you to socialize and like uh, like and get out of your shell um like where your comfort zone lies is in things that are uh, philosophical, <laughs> which is yeah, <laughs> which is not a bad thing. But it's like, and like I wrote all this down, so I just kind of want to read um, uh, Gemini North Node for the people listening. Gemini North Node people have been there, done that, and have the t-shirt. Because that Sagittarius South Node has gotten them to travel all around the world mm-hmm. and talk to people. And they really are very much experienced in the ways of the world. Um, so they're harder to excite because um, they have been everywhere already. So it's finding ways to connect with people in a more lighthearted way mm-hmm. instead of just being like, I see the darkness of your soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, I can see that, but <laughs> yeah. And like, and that's where the balance comes in. It doesn't mean that like you only will then have superficial relationships because that's not healthy either, mm-hmm. but it's like, that's a challenge that you're being presented with mm-hmm. because you're so much more comfortable with delving into the truth at the core of someone's oh, being. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely challenged to like, keep things light. Yeah. Like I'm just yeah. like, so that was a really nice drink. So tell me about, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to you <laughs> only because I'm not going to judge it. I just want to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a solar Sagittarius and I have other planets in Sag as well. I'm like, yep, I can identify with that. Then I also personally have a stellium in Scorpio, which is super intense and loves everything dark and death and like rebirth and regeneration and like <laughs> decay. I'm like, tell me all the things. <laughs> <laughs> which like, I'm just like, that's it's such fertile territory that like, I don't know how, I mean, I get why people don't want to look at the, the darkest parts of their being, but to me, I'm like, God, it's just full of nutrients. They're just gnarly. You yeah. know, it's all wormy and gross in there. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So you want to do a reading? Yeah. 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 Um, so what's going on with you? What do you have questions? I know you do a reading for yourself every day. Yeah. Um, I, so I did a reading. I let my friend read for me last night after the class. I I laughed because it was like some of the same cards that have come up in my own deck when I read for myself. And I'm just like, what does this mean? It's it's so intense when they start stalking you. Yeah. (laughs) Like across decks, across cities. And I'm like... Uh, okay. So I'm curious, like, I'm kind of don't want to like say anything out loud and then I'll just like, I'm going to bust out laughing if, if they like just <laughs> pop up. We'll see if um, but yeah, then we can talk about that. All but, right, um, cool. well, what I'd like for you to do is to just have in mind, um, I hesitate to say have in mind those cards cause like you'll just, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Um, but just kind of think about the energy about where you are in your life right now. And, um, the way that I look at tarot is, you know, I'm, I'm not a psychic and I'm not 
personally a, a clairvoyant medium of any kind. But as a, a physical medium, I love having something that I can put out in front of people. And as an artist, I'm sure you feel similarly that there is that having cards on the table acts as this filter. And there's this gentle suspension of whatever it is that divides us from ourselves, right? So um, I like to use this as a way to get kind of a snapshot, like a real clear, like HD snapshot on what's going on right now. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm just going to like hold a question in my mind perfect. and then see, we can just see what comes up. And what I'd love to have you do is think about that and using your left hand, split this deck wherever it breaks. So I'm going to lay this out to me so that I can read it. Um, and then if you want to take a photo, it's yep. later. <laughs> Giggling already. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. All right. So let me, <laughs> let me ask you what, uh, what multiples are we seeing right now? So the Seven of Cups, the King of Cups, and the Page of Pentacles, those three. All stalking you? Uh-huh. <laughs> I've seen them multiple times in the last 24 hours. Mm. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you, what what feelings come up for you around seeing those cards? Beyond the fact, I mean, it's it's always a little trippy when they come in a team like that. Yeah. But, um, but what, what does it bring up for you inside um, around it? So like, this is one of those like tricky things for me where it's, it's, I'm better at reading for other people, but when it comes to myself, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the deck's like, shh, don't tell her anything. So I mean, like, I know the, like, depth, like the by the book definitions of a lot of these, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the seven of cups is all about choice and having lots of options, at least in my experience and knowledge. And I, I kind of feel like that is the case in some ways. Like I have, um, I'm, I don't have to necessarily do anything. I could just, I could just chuck it all. Like, like sell all my stuff, move to Nicaragua and Mm -hmm. just like be a cocoa farmer or something Mm -hmm. like if I wanted to, but I don't, I, I haven't been really making many conscious decisions other than like, making decisions about the projects I work on and wanting to work on. And I feel like I kind of have to serve other people, um, Mm -hmm. through those projects. Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't really just done what I want to do. Yeah. Well, I think that's, what's interesting about seeing the seven seven of cups in reversal as the invitation of like, what's actually happening right now in the superficial world. So if we're working in a, in a multi-layered, uh, vision on what's going on. The seven of cups in the inverse is what we're looking at happening sur- like on the surface and sort of in the fray. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is very much like what's happening in the physical embodied world. And with it in a reversal to me, it's similar to a planet in retrograde, right? Mm. Like the energy is a little bit slow. It's saying like, there's stuff here that can be combed through a little bit more. And it does feel like there's no deliberate action where the right now it's sort of like, touring the options without it's like window shopping yeah you know yeah, where you're like yeah. i mean i see what's available but i don't really know because there isn't anything that's really struck a chord yet right even though there are things that are viable yeah it's and there's things, things that are like, like vibrating kind of like look at me like the mushroom is like Wah. yeah but like but the question is like just because i can doesn't mean i should right yeah. <clears throat> and should in in a different aspect than the than the one we've been using. Yeah. (laughs) The one that implies guilt. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but it is this, you're being asked to engage with some more deliberate decision-making and a lot of that comes from meditation. Mm. Sorry, I'm going to die here. Oh yeah. No, I I need some more water because I've like sucked down this whole Mm. thing. Mm -hmm. Grab that for you. Thank you. Yeah. Summer now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I know it's. It was official yesterday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was all us sitting in Minka. We totally brought it. <laughs> um, but this Seven of Cups, uh, there is something there that's like 
like you said, I feel like I have to be in service to people, which means I haven't been doing necessarily what I want to be doing. And I think that that's something to become very, very cognizant of because the truth is, I mean, and this is like not in some bullshit way of like follow your bliss because Mm -hmm. I, I do not subscribe to that. Yeah. The aspect of that, that I think is really resonant, especially in, in relation to this King of Cups, which we have in the next position Mm -hmm. is that, um, there is space in your life that's going to require some very serious meditation around what's happening in the river of communication, connection to others, love, friendship, like the, the fluid within yourself. And it's like, we know, like if you think about machinery, right? Like we know that a car doesn't run without oil Yeah, and people don't run without water. And if we aren't in tune with what's happening emotionally, we're working from these upper chakras. So we're mm-hmm. working from the... Thinking, I mean, from the um, speaking, hearing chakra of the throat, the thinking and like analyzing chakra of the third eye, and then this space, like with the like a when a crown chakra is charged only from that space, it's a really weak charge, Mm. right? So we have to get back in the body, and there is this. You're being asked to um, to really see what it's like to be still and watch the undulations of your heart, less of the way that you're thinking Mm. and not feeling so much emotionally, but like, where, where are you holding still enough? Like in that pond that with your eyes closed, you can register the quality of ripples coming from every single direction in relation to where you're going. Because the card, having a two of wands here in reverse and as a message from our guides is that this is saying that there is a place in your life very presently that is looking at what is your next new adventure and having this inner reversal in this place that the energy is really, really slow. And there's some indicator of um, not just indecision, but indecision that's being driven by some level of fear that says, if I let go of this one thing, will the next thing be as fulfilling as I want this to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, a, there's these two cards are really speaking to each other, the seven of cups and the two of wands, because with the seven of cups, with that window shopping sort of imagining, you know, in your mind's eye, you can take a look and be like, what would my future be like if I had the cup with the snake Mm -hmm. or if I had the cup with the laurel wreath or with the mountain that the hermit rests on? Um, And the two of wands, there is this thing of existing in the world and thinking about what it could be like to exist in the world. And there's a tendency to become really myopic Mm-hmm. And we reduce our access to our creativity. Um, are there ways that you're like right now that you're feeling like uh, like a bifurcated creative channel? Oh, totally. I mean, I have a job that like my day job is kind of this. Um, I feel underappreciated, and that's why I started the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, feel underappreciated and uh, like the quality of the work doesn't interest me because I'm just sort of getting the crumbs of creative projects. Mm-hmm. I don't have full on creative input. Like I feel I'm capable of exploring more fully. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I've applied for things I've applied for other jobs, but they just haven't shown up mm-hmm. um like no like even interviews it's been kind of weird yeah um and I feel like I've been sort of uh kept in this place of some like somewhat like stasis it's like nope you have to sit still and really think about things mm-hmm. and this thing is going to keep you afloat but like like whatever it is, it's just not ready yet. Yeah. So I, I like, I don't want to say the podcast has been a distraction because it's certainly more than that. It's been this wonderful creative outlet for me to be responsible to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's taught me a lot, um, about being accountable, not just to my listeners, but to myself, mm-hmm. um, and doing like follow through is big for yeah. me. Like when you say you're going to do something, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many people, especially in the like 
woo-woo community who were just like, well, I just didn't feel like it that day of the energy. And I'm like, no, that's not appropriate. <laughs> like, yeah. not, like for some things it is, but like when you tell somebody else, like um, you commit to like taking up a, a place in their life for a period of time, like whether it's just getting together to enter, to like talk on the podcast today with you. Like I, like it's important to me that I, follow through and do what I say I'm going to do, but also like have that creative freedom to like illustrate things the way I want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my day job, which you could argue is my traditional career, um, I have a very strict style guide that I have to work with. It's not particularly resonant with my um, sense of creativity all the time. Um, but it pays the bills, mm-hmm. you know, it's like keeping all those like basic boxes sort of ticked, but that doesn't mean it's spiritually fulfilling. Sure. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, culturally we now have this pressure with, um, being an entrepreneur, this, you know, these stories of like, um, you know, you just sort of take the leap of faith and then it'll all be there to catch you, which is like, that's, most of, and the stories are bullshit. Like that's not really how yeah start like yeah and once they launch it looks like that but it's not looking at the decade that yeah. they spent before like creating Toiling. things and and coming to that internal awareness of what it is that they want yeah and it might go off like a shot where once once they've got that but you can spend mm-hmm. you know many many years building that motivation and I think it's interesting the way that these cards are speaking to each other with the seven of cups the king of cups the two of wands in that aspect of like, um, like we were, you were talking about walking through your neighborhood and feeling like your energy is a little bit more closed off when you're in your home space. So I would, I would ask you with all of the things that you're applying for to change where you are in the world, are you coming to any of those with the closed energy of dissatisfaction mm. from your current job? Because yeah. Because that's how we're flavoring it. Yeah. So if if we can open up the mindset and say, I'm applying for new jobs because it will give me a new adventure that will help me grow in some way, mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm applying for a new job because I fucking hate the place I am at. <laughs> and because what we yeah. do is we perpetuate a future yeah. where we'll hate exactly where yeah. we end up as well. Yeah. And having the page of pentacles in here, and this is another one of your stalkers, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> there's a, this great little boy in a dress. Um, <laughs> but what's so beautiful about this to me is that like the, the pages are the fool in every suit mm-hmm. and they lead with the heart. And when we talk about pentacles, we're talking about earth element. We're talking about very literal life. We're talking about home, job, financial security, um, contracts. So, application. Yeah. Um, and then there is a new way of being, but it requires you to come with an open heart space. And if, if you find through sitting in meditation, I mean, and really going into your heart space, like into the heart mind, Mm -hmm. um, which is like the the Eastern mind, you know, that if you're finding that there's contraction there, there is room to create this sense of miraculous abundance by simply shifting the landscape that's happening inside. It doesn't necessarily mean that the external landscape has to change, but there's something that needs tending to on the inside that can create this very open place because you've got a ton of, um, I mean, the page of pentacles is such a rich card. I mean, and it's in the way that it shows up, but I think pentacles get a bad rap mm-hmm. in tarot because everybody's like, oh, it's mundane, like it's earth energy, it's slow, it's boring, it's whatever. But it is the things in our literal life that tend to have an effect on our internal selves and our higher spiritual selves. When what's happening in this world feels balanced enough, security, we can pay our bills, we can do whatever, we suddenly set this very solid foundation for ourselves that the expansion to any height in any direction feels really capable and possible. And, um, with the pentacles, this is our, I mean, with the uh, page, we're sort of entering into the higher court cards, which mm-hmm. is the evolution of going into some of the major arcana. Yeah. And this is like, you're right on that precipice that you can go back into being some basic pip number being mm-hmm. like, well, I guess my job is fine. I guess this thing is fine. It'd be easy to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is this thing of like, if I go in. And I look at the emotionally, like emotional quality that's informing 
the way that I see the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is that two mm-hmm. of wands. Um, how can I create something that feels fertile and bright and possible? And I have to embrace the, the pages are eternal students. Like embrace the fact that like, I don't know what the outcome will be, but if I can shift all the resources I'm going to need will be there. They may already be here and just not feel like it because mm-hmm. the focus is, is to myopic. Yeah. And we have it completely followed by the hermit and the hermit. The fact, like if you look at the positioning, almost every character in this card is looking towards the hermit and he's looking back at them. Mm. There is this light of wisdom that is being shown on you. This is very much, this is like your, your highest evolution of yourself beyond having fully found enlightenment, looking back at you as a teacher and saying, you know, exactly how to get where you're going. You just have to figure out where you want to be or trust that when you're, when you create stillness, you'll be making decisions that are in alignment with your highest self because like the, the King of Cups and the Hermit are speaking directly to each other because there is some sense of mastery in both of them. Mm. Um, so for you, this might be a meditation of, um, you know, connecting with your, with your future self and sitting and asking like Aurora at 70 to come and sit in a room with you. And see the grace that she gives you for being like young and on the path. Like Mm -hmm. she remembers what Mm -hmm. that's like. And she also knows how to say, hey, this is the bullseye you're aiming for. Fucking come at it. Don't allow these distractions of like, I don't know. Yeah. Because that that seven of cups in reverse is like, they're very like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to. And I don't know. That phrase is like the biggest cock blocker for anything we could possibly want to do in our lives. Yeah. Um, And the hermit is ruled by Virgo. And so I think there's something here. I mean, in, in the King of Cups, we're looking at like a very Piscean energy, um, which is, mm-hmm. you know, and I, so there is something that's saying like, how can my ability to create foundations, structure, pathwork, organization be informed by my uh, deep connection to my most intuitive self because those two they're going to unfold at exactly the same time because they're constantly talking to each other yeah and underneath so like um in women who run with the wolves she talks about the river under the river right mm-hmm. that there is this major thing that we have going on and then there's something greater that informs it underneath and so when i do a reading like this i like to turn the deck over to see who's under there and we have the queen of wands and she's in reverse and she is the fucking witch of the deck, dude. Like <laughs> she has this ability to manifest life and magic in a place that's otherwise barren. And she knows that the the ability to create that magic isn't about what is available to her on the outside, right? Like the magician uses the four elements to create anything. She uses the elements that live within her. She's a fire card, but she has to have some water to have created this beautiful sunflower that mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. holding and, um, you know, she's very much in, like, she's a balance. It's a really cool balance of all of these elements, I think. Um, but when we see her in reversal, this is, this is, you've stepped out of your power in some way. And in order to write that, there is this, how can I reconnect with the water in myself? And how can I use that to inform? God, it's so weird because all week, people have been talking to me about water. Oh, really? Yeah. And I had this great conversation with this dude about um, intelligent water and how water, when it moves from its actual source, we're talking like deep in the earth, it gets, Mm -hmm. you know, plucked by a spring and comes up that um, it has all this information in it. Mm -hmm. And then it gets put through the stress tests of being filtered and put through our pipes and coming out through our faucet. And so this beautiful molecular structure of water that kind of looks like a, um, chain link fence Mm -hmm. then gets compressed and shifted and changed. And so by the time it comes to us, it's now like the molecular structure is jagged and broken and Mm -hmm. shifted. It's been chemically treated. It's been altered in all these ways, but that the alteration that's happened has come from the fact that it's picked up information the entire way through. Mm -hmm. And there is something here that's like deeply about going back to the source um, and finding it in its, in its purest way. It's okay. I just um, heard that too. And I was like, man, they're, they're really getting into our <laughs> um, But 
but yeah, there, there is something about, it's just really weird because the intelligence of water, um, and that water can be programmed. And that's very much, you know, we're made mostly of water. And our, our thinking, our feeling has been informed and programmed by what's happening. And there's some room to disconnect from the outside world to really dive deep into your emotional self and to look at the places where you've been programmed to say, this might be enough, this might not be enough, this might be right, this might not be and to start to clear some of that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Does this resonate with you? It does. I'm also just like, how do I do that? (laughs) Cause like it's easier said than done, you know, like doing it is like, it's like taking a shovel to your soul and and, like digging really deep and figuring out what it, what that message is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just have to kind of trust that I'll know it when I, feel it see it yeah I like to refer to it as spiritual spelunking (laughs) where you're just like okay I've got this tiny headlamp and then it's just this free fall into this deep cave um but to remember that like you're always tethered you know and so the deep dives are like it's it's safe and it's good I mean the hermit's got this light above you he's like don't worry we're out here at the tunnel entrance you know but um I would say that it's probably a much more passive. Yeah. It's a much more passive thing than an active thing. I think that this is creating more time for stillness and having less of a goal with your own meditation, actually, Mm -hmm. just to go in and sit with the only intention being, let me see what comes up today Mm -hmm. because the heart speaks so quietly. Yeah. You know, and, and the mind is so loud and so pushy and the heart knows. And so this is just like, how how can I hear what my heart has to say? And we really have to spend a lot of time getting very quiet and tuning your ears to that frequency of just being like, and sometimes it's this unique voice. But the more that you get to know it, the much more clearer and louder that voice becomes. Um, but there's so many cups in here and there's so much like, you know, there's a lot of fire in here too. So it's no wonder that it starts to feel like steamy and cloudy and unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really about falling into some of the cool waters of your intuition. Awesome. Yeah. That was really cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, now I'm absolutely. like, thank you for letting me read for you. Yeah. And thanks for um, making time to be on the show. And uh, you're a very gifted tarot reader. And where can people find you online if they're interested? So uh, my Instagram is Wisdom and Sage. And my website is the same, wisdomandsage.com. Um, and you can send me an email through there or direct message through Instagram. And I do tarot readings and um, coaching sessions and uh, private meditation coaching all digitally. So um, usually I meet my clients by Skype or FaceTime or whatever. That way nobody has to travel and I can see anybody anywhere. Awesome. Um, yeah. So, but I'm glad that you could actually be here at yeah. today. It was yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was super cool. I'm so glad you came to the workshop last night and I hope that that like helps things click a little, like on a deeper level as far as like maybe why things feel the way they do and they feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's definitely like sparked like a renewed interest in being like, okay, I'm going to pull out those Stephen Forrest books and I'm yeah. <laughs> go back at it and see yeah. what else I can try to remember or discover because books like that are shapeshifters that change every time. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs>